0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the rest of you. It is I, your fearless leader, coming back to you from my mother's basement. I'm joined today by special guest, Lawrence Leppard. Lawrence, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks. Nice to have have me back. Thanks for having me back.
0: Thank you for coming on and joining us. And uh, before we kick things off and dive into things, uh, we were talking a little bit about the Bitcoin conference in Miami. I know you were there last year. Uh, What are you most excited for to see this year in Miami?
1: Well, I just I like meeting all the people, you know, you, you, you do the Zoom stuff and it's not nearly as personal as meeting folks, you know, and shaking their hands, sitting down and chatting with them one on one. So, um, you know, everyone's going to be there and I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Well, if those of you who uh, have been living under a rock or mute yourselves during the moments when I say this, use code YTMAG, get 10% off your tickets, come hang out with all of us in Miami, uh, ticket prices go up on Friday. You have been warned, do not do not act surprised when all of a sudden the ticket is $100 more tomorrow. Today is the last day for those cheap tickets. Use code YTMAG. Uh, otherwise, Chris, my producer and I will not be working here after the conference. So <laughs> smash that buy button, smash that like and subscribe as well. Lawrence, the world is in chaos right now. Uh, yeah. We have been in a pandemic for over two years and it seems like it's not going away with the latest new variant upgrade coming up or whatever you wanna call it. Uh, we are in the midst of hopefully not entering nuclear war in Eastern Asia. Uh, we watched a democratic republic—I guess not a democratic republic, but a democracy—up north of the border uh, essentially shut off access to your banking and finances. Not to mention hyperinflation going on across the world. America seeing inflation in double digits. Um, initially, what is what is of everything going on? What is it that you are paying closest attention to at this moment?
1: Oh, that's a great question. There's so many things going on. I mean, yeah, all the stuff you referred to, I mean, this is what fourth turnings are, right? I mean, they're really chaotic and, you know, bad shit happens, right? (laughs) And it's happening. I mean, I probably, you know, day to day, obviously, I'm watching the price of gold, the price of Bitcoin. I'm also watching the bond market. Uh, I think it's a real clue as to how much control the Fed has and the fact that the 10 year has been going higher pretty relentlessly now for a while. Uh, indicates to me that, you know, more and more people are waking up to the issue that the fiat money is bad. And, uh, you know, who wants to own a 10-year bond when it pays you 2 point something percent? And, you know, inflation is ticking in at seven. Now, Well, stated inflation is ticking in at 7.9. We all know real inflation is much higher than that. I mean, probably saw I tweeted out yesterday the rent index. I mean, I think it's 17% year on year, right? And, course the you know the part of the owner equivalent rent that gets caught in the inflation number is like three or four i mean it's just you know statistical lying it's just it's beyond the pale what these folks are doing but so it's hard i mean i watch it all obviously the war is a big deal um you know we can talk about that but uh i mean i like to say i think putin just shot the you know shot king dollar in the head you know (laughs) um you know it's you can say the war is about the Ukraine. You can say it's about his security situation. You can say it's about missiles and them joining NATO. I actually think it's about a bigger issue. I think it's about, um, you know, he's tired. He's got a natural resource rich country that doesn't, you know, have a lot of manufacturing base. But boy, they do have resources, you know, um, natural gas, oil and, and wheat. And he's tired of selling it for paper money that can be printed. And um you know, he 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 got it. He got in bed with uh, with the Chinese, who obviously kind of somewhat reached the same point, and they decided to you know to he decided to declare war, and then we responded in kind by you know shutting off his swift access, which is bad, but not nearly as bad as the next thing we did, which was we we grabbed his foreign currency reserve. So, you know, um, where's the rule of law in all of this? I mean, I guess in war there is no rule of law, but the point is that the West used to stand for the rule of law. And when you see what Trudeau did in Canada, and then you see this move, you can't help but say to yourself, you know, this isn't good. Right. I mean, his possession is about to become nine tenths and if possession is nine tenths. I know the thing I want to own, right. (laughs) You know, 12 words, (laughs) unless you torture them out of me, you can't take it. (laughs) So
0: maybe for better or worse that I have. The worst memory and can't remember my t- my seed phrase is 24 words and it's probably for the best because you pinch me hard enough and I'll I'll blast them out but <laughs> I don't remember them so jokes on you
1: <laughs> there you go <laughs>
0: um, I want to ask a little bit because I know you talk a lot about how you you have gold as a hedge we've yeah. heard a lot about how Putin is has been hoarding gold for the last few years as well yeah. we have Peter Schiff the perma bear for Bitcoin and perma bull for gold um, what what is in the gold market in specific, what is it that you're paying attention to? And what is it that you're seeing that's a positive? Uh, And also, what is the thing in the gold market that you're a little tepid around or maybe don't?
1: Well, obviously I pay attention to the price. And of course, you know, it's no no doubt that, you know, whenever something happens that's enormously gold friendly, gold sells off. And that's because of the paper gold market. I mean, look, I mean, what just happened, what Putin just did is just like a, it's like an amazing. I mean, gold should be at twenty five hundred, right? But it does. It's not because the powers that be on the other side can create a lot of paper gold and sell into the market and flood it, and and then bring it back down. So, so pay attention to that. At, at more of a macro level, you know, I'm watching the offtake numbers, and you know, Russia's buying, China's buying, India's buying. You know, coins are getting. You know, coin sales in the U. S. are going up, other countries as well. You know, dealers are tight, premiums are high, so. You know, there's a lot of accumulation and purchasing a physical. And to me, that's important because the physical market is what will eventually break the paper market. I mean, you can't print a physical ounce. Right. So so I'm I'm watching that. You know, the what are, what are the you know, what are the weaknesses of gold? Well, obviously, the paper manipulation and the fact that nobody knows who who has what and, you know, the eighty three hundred tons that we theoretically have. We haven't audited them for years. So we don't know if we really have them. Um, you know, there, there, there are lots of weaknesses around the edges. You know, I suppose, uh, you know, to me, the reason I've stayed in it and the reason I think it, it it's going up, perhaps not up as high as Bitcoin goes in the longer run, but it's still going up, is that, you know, there, there are a lot of people in the world who have a vote on this. And, uh, you know, the, the Chinese have a vote, the Russians have a vote, the Indians have a vote, you know, the Saudis have a vote, etc. And, you you know the world the world will eventually, in my opinion, migrate to Bitcoin as a superior solution. But you know, I, I emphasize the word eventually. I think the Bitcoin community kind of assumes it's going to happen instantly. <laughs> and and I don't know that it will. And so so there's a role for both. I mean, they both represent good potential candidates for a neutral reserve currency, which is what the world really needs. I mean, we've been misallocating capital for so long. You know, the zero interest rate policy has been horrible and it's just it's and it's showing up right i mean you know it's why it's why suddenly we've got this huge demand for, com- for commodities and we can't produce them quickly enough why because you know we've underinvested in commodities for the last 10 or 15 years why because the price signals have said there was no reward for investing in commodities you know go chase stocks and fangs and nfts and all kinds of other bullshit so you know we need to get the price signals back to the point where they're real and they're honest and they, they reflect supply and demand i mean I've said this on Twitter several times, I, you know, there's no price in the world right now today that we know if it's really, if it's the right price, you know, in fiat terms. And um, that's what that's what moving to a sound money standard will solve, but it's going to take time, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, Lawrence, and, and definitely to your point, like, obviously, you, you reiterate that gold that can get dumped on by paper manipulation of the currency, Um, While obviously gold itself is a bearer asset, obviously Bitcoin is the digital bearer asset. So I guess my question to you is while we've seen Gary Gensler over at the SEC block countless uh, spot ETFs, obviously there's the futures one, which isn't a great, and I actually don't recommend anyone buy it unless you're a hedge fund or you're doing these mm-hmm. quants or whatever. Um, I Selfishly, I think it's a good thing that it keeps getting denied. I know a lot of Bitcoiners and other people would like it to get approved in the sense that it would make the price go up in theory because more people would be buying it in the retirement accounts and 401ks and such. But I guess my thing is it's like pushing forward the idea that you need to be self custodying your Bitcoin. And obviously, there are a couple companies that do offer services that do that. Um, it's obviously right. a little bit more complex. Do you see that as a, a benefit or uh, a downside to basically this spot ETF getting denied? And I guess, what are your theories behind them denying it anyway?
1: Yeah. Well, why are they denying it? I'm not sure. I suspect powerful interests are putting pressure on them not to do it. I mean, I think I slightly differ with you. I think having it would be good. I mean, just it'd make it easier for more people to buy it. People people don't buy GBTC because well, it's at a discount. Therefore, there's something wrong with it. I don't think that's really the case, but. You know, knowing those people, but um, you know, I I think I think I'm not sure why Gensler's not going for it. I I think it's I think there are powerful interests in the banking community, uh, from what I've seen, what I've read, that have done everything they possibly can to slow down, you know, the development of digital assets and Bitcoin as alternatives to their system, and or to control that development. I mean, I'm invested in a company called Avanti, which run is run by Caitlin Long, and it just changed its name to custodia and you know she's trying to get access to the fed and the fed wire she's trying to really play by their rules and play by their game and be an alternative to tether which i believe is a fraud and you know she's been stymied at every round and the banks have basically said you know to the degree that we're going towards digital currencies we want to be a player we want to control it you know they have to have federal bank charters which is absurd you know it's completely absurd so they've tried to shut the whole DeFi community down and uh, to me, that's, you know, that's wrong and that's bad. And, you know, we need more Senator Loomis around to, you know, to fight for the other side um, because we got plenty of senators who are on the bank payroll. So, you know, that's that's going to take time. And I look, I, whether we get a Bitcoin, GB a Bitcoin ETF or, or not, I mean, you make a great point, which is, you know, when you've got Trudeau saying he can seize your assets. And when you've got, you know, Biden coming out with an executive order saying, I want you guys to all go back and figure this shit out you know, I think personally, it's only a matter of time before they ask people, how much Bitcoin do you have? Where is it? You know, they ask Coinbase to report who their customers are, how much they hold, etc. I mean, and we saw some horrible things like I don't know if you picked up on the Coinbase guys going after, you know, they would say they were going to maybe freeze Russian accounts at Coinbase. I mean, you know, WTF. I mean, that's not what this is about, you know, right? I mean, and and so what it tells me and 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 look, I'm extremely cynical, but I think with a fact pattern to back it up, I'm extremely cynical about uh, what the powers that be will do to protect their privilege because I've seen them do it. I mean, they did it to the Hunts. They did it to me in 2008 when they banned the short selling of financials. You know, Trudeau's, Tr- Trudeau tried to do it to anyone who sent $50 to the truckers. You know, they, we just did it to the Russians. I mean, they, you know, they, well, they did it in nickel, right? I mean, they just they just changed the nickel. Rules basically to protect, you know, the LME, which is now a joke, and to protect the billionaires that were, you know, short nickel, you know, one of whom was financed by J.P. Morgan. So, you know, Jamie Dimon's company just got saved from a billion five loss if they'd let nickel price discovery really occur. And somebody who owned those large nickel, you know, long positions was, in my estimation, cheated out of four billion dollars, you know, so and perhaps more if it had gone, you know, to the moon. So. So the point I guess I'm getting at is, uh, you know, yeah, owning an ETF, owning a Bitcoin ETF. Yeah, right. Good thing. Better than owning, you know, fangs. Right. But really, you know, it doesn't ultimately solve your problem. I and mean, the way you ultimately solve your problem is you have your own keys and you self-custody this stuff. Because I believe and I've spoken to I have many good friends who were involved in all parts of this business. I believe before this is all over, they're going to come after us. They're going to come after the Bitcoin guys. They're going to come after the gold guys. They're going to blame us for ruining their beautiful system. You know, sound money. I mean, we are going to become, we're going to become like anti-vaxxers or, you know, whatever. They're going to demonize us. And so, you know, um, fine. If that's how they want to play the game, so be it. Um, You know, I got my 12 words, right? (laughs) And, And possession is nine tenths. And these are bearer assets. I mean, look, we know because they've signaled. They would like to eliminate cash and they would like to shove us all into CBDCs. That's a fact. We know that. So, you know, they're going to go in that direction. I think now the tough part is knowing how, when, what, etc., because, you know, they're crafty and we can't know every move they're going to make and when they're going to make it, but you can see the writing on the wall. That's, that's how I view it.
0: Lawrence, you mentioned now a couple of times, The the way the paper gold market is manipulated, the way some of these commodities get sort of limited in how much their gains are and get toyed with. I personally believe the entire oil market is just a a nice big cartel out there to to rake in as much money they can against us. How are any of these things, gold included, different than fiat money that gets manipulated and
1: they're not. I mean, they're not. They're really all extensions of it. And I talked about this in another podcast recently. I mean, You know, when and and, and the reason how do they manipulate these things? They do it with derivatives, right? And so so let's go back to a basic premise that you know, which which I call you know table stakes poker, right? I mean, if you know how you play table stakes poker, you know, basically you can only bet what's on the table, right? And so the person at the at the at the game that has the biggest pile of chips can basically bluff the entire game and put all their chips in and nobody can call them, okay. And so, so really instead of what's right and price discovery occurring in any kind of a normal fashion, um, you know, in, in a table stakes game, in, in a game where you have the most buying power, you've got the ability, you can control the market. And the US federal government has figured this out, in my opinion, and through derivatives, they can control the prices on all of these markets because they are the biggest people at the game. They print the money, they have the unlimited balance sheet, and they have offshore accounts. With which to, as you say, the gold market's an entire simulation to, or I mean, the oil market to rip us all off. And I, I don't dispute that. I mean, I think that's probably right. And so, you know, if I were God and I were trying to figure out how to make it, you know, once this fiat thing collapses, and I think it will collapse, you know, and I were trying to restructure the new system, I mean, one, I'd put sound money as the base currency. You know, and, and there are a lot of ways of doing that. It could be Bitcoin, it could be gold, it could be a bank, or it could be some combination of commodities. I mean, whatever it is, but it'd be defined, it'd be clearly defined and immutable. And then what you would do is you would say, and that makes gold a tough candidate. But then what you would say is you would also say, you know, we're putting in Glass-Steagall and we're going to outlaw derivatives. We're going to, the, the, the futures and hedging will only be allowed in so, insofar as it's connected to legitimate financial you know, um, commerce and activity. So that a a farmer could sell his future corn production or a buyer of corn could hedge the protection of uh, purchasing of future corn. But above and beyond that, just pure speculation above and beyond that would be illegal because what it leads to is it leads to these derivative chains that then allow people through leverage to push these prices anywhere they want them to be. And there's no real price discovery going on. And that lack of price discovery is what creates all these misinformed prices, which then leads to these booms and busts, and and you know the the fraud that we all have to live through. It's you know more or less these people are ripping us all off. So uh, it's it's a complicated problem, and the average man doesn't understand it. You know, which is not a criticism of their um, you know their intelligence. It's more just it's a it's a credit to how how crafty and sophisticated these crooks have been. You know, in the way they've set this thing up. So,
0: I want to play a little bit of a hypothetical scenario along these lines. Um, Let's say we are on a Bitcoin standard. Let's say the central bank somehow wise up and they say, we're going to back our fiat currency to Bitcoin, just Bitcoin. How do we prevent this exact scenario that we see in different commodities markets that we've seen play out historically from repeating itself just with Bitcoin as the backing? Because ultimately, like you've said, they either come after us right now before we succeed or they try to ingrain us into it and then blame us when it doesn't work.
1: Right. Well, I think what you're alluding to, I mean, there is a futures market. I mean, there is paper Bitcoin, right? I mean, some, some people try and claim, well, there is no paper Bitcoin. That's bullshit. I mean, there, there are futures contracts on Bitcoin. I mean, you can go to Glassnode, you can see the size of them. Now, fortunately, they're pretty small compared to the overall Bitcoin market, Bitcoin trading, Bitcoin size, et cetera. I mean, one of the ways we know that gold is a manipulated asset is that we know the paper contracts and size of the paper contracts compared to the actual physical market. It's multiples of the physical market, depending upon how you measure it. So as a result of that, we know that gold is a manipulated asset. Bitcoin could be manipulated, but it hasn't, from what I can see, it doesn't appear that it's been heavily manipulated yet. I think what you're alluding to is the possibility that they'll try and develop a system where they do that in the future. And I think the way you do that is you you know you you more or less just shut down these futures markets. You know, you just you say you can't do that. You know, we're not I mean it's illegal. We we you cannot have we're you know without, if you write futures on on these on any financial uh, or really any object in the world above and beyond a legitimate commercial use, i.e., you know, um, I'm buying corn because I need corn in the future or I'm selling corn cuz I'm about to produce some, right? Um, you know, go to jail, you know, pay millions of dollars of fines, etc. So, so that's really what's got to get solved at the base of it all. I mean, if you want to have sound money, you've also got to prevent, you know, people from layering up with leverage, you know, and playing these games. I mean, leverage is what allows these people to push these prices around, and and you know they can they can push them so far, and then and and it's it's a it's a cocked game, right? Because you know they they um, um, it's heads they win tails they lose because if they lose under a leverage system. They just they, they declare force majeure and they do what they did to the hunt, so they do what they just did to the nickel system, right? And um, so it's 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 a real problem. It's it's all part of the too big to fail. I mean, and and you know we got to get to a decentralized system where nothing is too big to fail. So that if you do things economically that don't make sense, you fail. You know that's that's capitalism. What, we, what we've got right now is state-controlled socialism for the rich. <laughs>
3: Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history.
2: Yeah, Lawrence, uh, I definitely agree. And I know many people are swayed or uh, I guess leery of, of Bitcoin in particular because of its volatility. Obviously, you, Q and I all know that you know volatility is the price you pay for returns and right. the asset class speaks for itself. But to be honest, I actually like the volatility because it helps shake out like the manipulation that's going on. I guess the the one thing yeah. I know you think that um, having yeah. a four hundred one k or people being able to buy a spot ETF would be a good thing. And like I said, I I guess it would be good to give people exposure. But I just my biggest worry is then they can do exactly what they've done to gold over the years and manipulate the price. Through, through that, basically, by ba- buying the paper asset and overcoming Bitcoin's uh, class itself. Obviously, you and I right. and Q can transfer Bitcoin from node to node or wallet to wallet, whatever, and that's, we're actually, you know, moving the asset across itself but I think I worry about if they lock it up in these long-term instruments or whether retirement accounts that we would lose or have issues exactly like the gold market sees right now with paper gold things. Uh, I guess I, I'd love your take I think take it's on a that. fair
1: point. I think it's a fair point. And one could argue that, yeah, that an ETF, I mean, you know, I guess one of the ways you could prevent that is, you know, you would have an ETF that would be, you know, completely audited so that, you know, I mean, in, in you know, by multiple auditors so that, I mean, if an ETF, I mean, this is, the, this is the issue with Tether, right? I mean, you know, if an ETF really hold, does the ETF really hold the Bitcoin that it claims to hold? You know, and, and if it does, then they haven't created any paper Bitcoin. But the minute they step, you know, the minute you get into fractional reserve anything, you've, you've introduced another layer of, of complexity that then can lead to, you know, manipulation and, and too much leverage and, and the kinds of, you know, kinds of games that we're talking about here.
2: Yeah, and I guess Bitcoin's different that it's easy to digit, uh, like to uh, audit the ledger in a way. I right. know that you've always argued that, uh, I guess in Fort Dix that the supply hasn't been audited, in I don't know how many years. Um, and that's kind of another way that you can manipulate this game. Obviously, if they're saying they have a spot ETF, you know, I think many Bitcoiners would say, "Fine, you can do that," but we want to see that the coins are actually there. And if they say, "Oh, you know, we have X amount of coins," it's like, "Well, give us the address. We want to see Exactly. Cards.
1: Yeah, no, and that, and that kind of transparency should exist. I can tell you from New Jersey because you said Fort Dix. It's actually Fort Knox. Fort Knox, <laughs> Fort, yeah. Fort Dix was probably up the road from where you lived.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is very much near me. So, um, Or at least where I used to live. But um, yeah, so I, I guess auditing the supply is very important. I guess, how have they been able to get away with it in, in gold sense? Obviously, they've hidden the supply there and they're able to dump it with paper gold. But I guess anything else, aside from like a, a 6102 attack, And do you think that that would be able to occur in bitcoin or do you think uh, it would not fare this time around
1: well yeah your 6102 is the number of the executive order that that fdr issued um i don't you know look i mean i i suppose i think bitcoin's the horse that's out of the barn i mean i i think too many people own it too many people support it and the us isn't generally into you know seizing assets and doing that kinds of things although you know in a national emergency right i mean if gasoline is you know racing to the moon and i mean if we've got runaway inflation who knows? I mean, I think all bets are off. And, you know, if you read the history of the world and you read the history of hyperinflations, you know, you see some pretty bizarre and bad stuff happening. I mean, I was this weekend, I was rereading Fiat Money Inflation in France and the assignat. you know, when that was going on, basically gold holders who didn't report their gold were being guillotined. So, you know, it's, you know, I mean, I, um, desperate governments will do desperate things. You know, I mean, I thought this, you know, what, what FDR did, I mean, whether you like FDR or don't like him, and you know, like all humans, he had good qualities and bad. Um, you know what he did was really wrong. I mean, the notion of you know seizing people's assets. I mean, um, and I'm sure there are I'm sure there are statists who would take the other side of it, and say, no, he was trying to save the country. He had to seize those assets. Well, okay. Um, you know, I think in general, I mean, and and he. By the way, we never would have gotten. You know, well. You know, the Constitution says only gold and money should be, you know, or only gold and silver should be money. Of course, we've drifted so far away from that. that it's it's you know, it's kind of a dead letter. But I don't know. Did I miss the thrust of your question?
2: <laughs> no, I, I think you hit all the points. I'll send it over to Q if he's got anything else to add.
0: Yeah. I got a couple and I, I, I'd love to stay on the political sphere for a moment with you. Sure. Uh, first, why is it? for whatever reason now, Bitcoiners seem to be so bought into any politician who says, I have a Bitcoin in stance. Like we have watched politicians lie to us generation after generation <laughs> over whatever they needed to say to get a vote. But this, this is the time. This is the time that we're gonna believe them and buy into what they say. You mentioned Cynthia Loomis earlier, who I think is one of the good ones. She genuinely understands Bitcoin and wants to help push forward legislation or frankly, block legislation to prevent the growth of Bitcoin. I see someone else like Ted Cruz, who genuinely just has jumped at any opportunity he can, or the, the latest hot fad, so that he can get a few extra votes and stay in power. That's right. sort of the spectrum that I look at. I don't know if you see anything similar or you agree. Yeah,
1: I, I I don't follow all that stuff so much, but I, you make a very good point. I mean, there's some people who are just bandwagoning it and they realize that, hey, I can get, I support Bitcoin, I get votes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, we I mean, look, in general, as we all know, politicians are not particularly trustworthy people. And you know, the kind of people, you know, the worst of the people who go into that are you know outright sociopaths or psychopaths. So, you know, I think we have to be leery of wolves in sheep's clothing. And you know, Cruz probably is one, who knows? Um, you know, the, the good news is though that the penetration of Bitcoin in the younger generations. Is high enough now, and that younger generation millennial vote is becoming large enough now, that I think that if politicians don't move in the right direction on this issue, it's going to cost them, and and that's a very good thing. I said in another podcast recently that, you know, I actually think that the mayor of Miami Suarez will be our first Bitcoiner president. I mean, it might be it might be some years from now, but and you know, you've got to remember that you know. Um, The boomer generation will pass away and the millennial generation will grow larger and larger and have kids. And, um, you know, the voting the voting is going to change. And uh, so politicians are, you know, look, there are a lot of bad things. But one thing they're pretty, pretty good at is trying to keep getting the votes and staying in office. And so, you know, the more noise we make and the bigger our block becomes, the better it is for all of us and for Bitcoin. And so that's why people say, well, what can, what can I do? I mean, I think the most important thing any person listening to this can do is to try to educate because these good ideas, they spread by word of mouth, right? It's just to try and educate everybody in your circle of friends and try to orange pill, you know, or sound money pill, you know, with gold. I, I kind of view gold, gold's like the entry, gold's like the gateway drug, right? Gold's like marijuana so that you can really get hooked on crack, <laughs> you know? Bitcoin is crack. And, you know, if if you can get people going in on, on, on gold, at least understanding the sound money argument, it's a lot easier argument to, to make to a boomer, you know, then, then that gold bug, gold bull, will eventually start to realize that, hey, you know what, gold is a good weapon. Bitcoin's a really great weapon, you know? And so you don't necessarily always wanna go at them right with the, hey, you know, you gotta be a Bitcoin buyer. Um, I think what you got, you know, my way of looking at it is you've got to opt out of fiat. You've got to recognize that for self-preservation reasons, if you stay in fiat, you stay in bonds, you are gonna get wrecked, absolutely wrecked in the next 10 years. Because in my opinion, inflation is just gonna rage. You know, I think we haven't seen anything yet. I think it's gonna get worse. And you know, it's pretty bad right now, right? I mean, $7 gas in California, you know, 550 is what I paid the other day. I mean. You know that's that's real this is it's getting very very real very very quickly and it's i don't think we're going back to the old world we're not going back to two and three percent inflation that's just not happening in my opinion so
0: oh, i mean look the, the tagline of inflation is transitory i think was the biggest one of the biggest lies that was told with a straight face in 2021 Completely um, i mean look as someone who lives in california let me tell you i was I just got back from a short little road trip and we celebrated finding gas that was less than 550 539 at the costco all the way in palmdale but like to your point we're seeing the price of gas go up we have not we've already been seeing the price of food go yes. up but not with the high gas prices so we're now going to see another increase i believe in the price of food this idea that inflation is transitory to your point is a fallacy What do you think, if anything, the Fed can or should be doing more? They only raised it 25 basis points. I don't know if you think that's enough.
1: Look, I mean, the Fed could do us all a great favor by just admitting they were horribly wrong, shutting down and saying, we're going to abandon, you know, we're going to basically sit at a Bretton Woods 3 and do a monetary reset. That's what they should do. I mean, it's like, and try and spread the pain equally and fairly and go back to a sound money system. But since that's a fantasy and the odds of that happening are zero, Um, you know, at a minimum, they should be raising rates aggressively if they want to defend the currency and and try to, you know, and, and, and they should take the pain of a recession. I mean, sadly, given the way it's all so blown up and out of proportion, that recession would probably turn into a depression. And so, you know, then you'd have something that looks like the 30s. And I mean, I, you know, honestly, the Fed's got such a bad hand, I can't even tell them what to do you know, other than, I mean, if, I, I can't believe Jay Powell wanted to be re-nominated. I mean, he's an idiot. You know, he's going to preside over the biggest financial calamity in the history of the world, but so be it. Um, you know, he chose to do it. Um, you know, the, the the Fed is very badly trapped and they will, you know, as I say, drive a clown car between the two guardrails of massive inflation and massive deflation um, and try to somehow stay in the middle. I mean, I guess the best we can all hope for because it would probably be the least you know, shock painful for the world would be just high rates of inflation that reduce the debt load over some period of time. But frankly, I, you know, I don't think they're gonna even be able to skate on that thin line because I think what's gonna happen is the bond market's gonna revolt and say, hang on a second, this inflation is so ridiculously high that we want out of these bonds. And it's gonna to start to sell off and sell off hard And then what's gonna happen is interest rates, I mean, obviously bonds selling off hard meats, interest rates go up. Well, imagine if we had six or 7% interest rates in this country, you know, imagine how bankrupt a lot of people and a lot of organizations would be. And imagine how much the earnings on the stock market would go down. And then imagine what would happen to the stock market. So the stock market would collapse and that would be massively deflationary. And so what, what you have is by distorting this thing as badly as they have, They have completely driven us into a a dead end, you know, canyon and there's no way out. And so, you know, we're either going to have massive inflation or massive deflation or some some combination of both. And I think we're going to have a combination of both where everything you need is going to be incredibly expensive and everything you own is going to go down in value. Everything that's leveraged, you know, all your assets, your house, your car, whatever, because nobody's going to have any money to buy anything. And in that respect, it's going to look like the 30s. And, you know, unless they print like crazy. And so, and so their, their solution to this problem at every turn is to print more money, but that makes the problem worse because then people have less confidence in the money. And this is how you get to, a, you know, a, effectively a crack up boom and a hyperinflation, which sadly I think is in our future. I mean, that's because when people realize, if you study hyperinflationary history, when people realize that they have no, the government has no choice But to continue printing and not just printing, but printing more consistently and over, you know, generally more over periods of time, then, you know, they're going to say, hey, get me out of this burning house called fiat and give me something real. Give me toilet paper. Give me food. Give me a house. Give me a car. Give me whatever. But I tell you one thing's for sure I'm not saving my money in dollars. You know, give me gold. Give me Bitcoin. And, and the clue on this, you know, will be to watch the price of gold and the price of Bitcoin. And so what's going to happen is gold's going to go through its all-time high of 2050 and summer of 2020. And it's going to go to 2,500 or 3,000. And that's going to go to 4,000 or 5,000. And Bitcoin's going to go through 69 to 100. And and, what's, and, and people are going to wake up and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like being in a, in a theater where somebody yells fire. I mean, everyone's going to say, shit, get me to the damn exit and get me there now, you know, and, and, and the exits, which they're going to try and block. Are gold and Bitcoin. And you know, so the, and those are going to be the clues. And, and they know this. They know all of this. And that's why they may declare force majeure. That's why they may make it illegal to own these assets. That's why they may have a banking holiday. I mean, this is, this is all akin to what happened in the 20s and 30s. I mean, this is, this is very simple to, you know, it's simple, but it's not understood because the reason it's not understood is nobody who was alive during that time is alive today. You know, if you were a financial investor in the 20s and 30s, you're dead now but this is a sovereign debt bubble bursting, sovereign credit debt bubble bursting. That's what this is. And, and most people don't understand that and they don't know how to model that in their minds. And they don't know the right assets to hold when that's happening. And so that's why we've got the trouble that we've got. And how's the government gonna respond? Who knows? I mean, they're a bunch of idiots, you know? I mean, I don't think anybody there really understands it either. I mean, there's a guy who's studying it, Jason Lowry, for the Pentagon. I hope I hope he's advising the right people there, and I hope they're listening, because it is a matter of national security. I mean, we've got to have sound money, or else we're going to fail as a country. You know, um, so uh, you know, if, and if and by the way, if we were to adopt Bitcoin as sound money, we would we would leapfrog China and Russia, which would be a beautiful thing, because they've obviously made a bet on gold. Uh, you know, a bet that gold is going to be the next form of sound money, and they could be right. I mean. I could probably see you know, gold as a stepping stone to ultimately having a Bitcoin standard. You know, they, they both represent neutral reserve currencies. So, and gold happens to have been around for 5,000 years and it was the last neutral reserve currency. Of course, we all abandoned it, which was silly, but you know, we did. So here we are. <laughs> you know? So I don't know, that's kind of a rant, but I feel strongly about it. I mean, I think sound money is the most important issue in this fourth turning. I think we've got to address it. And frankly, the sooner we address it, the better, you know, and and if we can address it without killing millions of people, that would be good too. Because historically in fourth turnings, lots of people have gotten killed in wars. And there's no point in doing that. I mean, you know, all the people are here, all the assets are still here, all the technology's here. In many ways, the world is a great place. We've made these enormous advances. We've just got this broken monetary system. And so if we could go fix the broken monetary system, you know, things would be good. I mean, if, you know, if you look at other hyperinflations, post the hyperinflation occurring, things got better when they went to sound money. I mean, sound money, you know, it is, it's like you guys say, Bitcoin fixes this, right? Go to a sound money standard, the price signals get correct. When the price signals are correct, capital gets allocated properly, things work. You know, because, because capital has not been allocated properly, that's why gas is $7. Because capital hasn't been allocated properly. We've been destroying wealth, destroying capital, eating our seed corn. You need to plant your seed corn so that you get a harvest. And we haven't been doing that because the system's broken. So, you know, if we want to have better living standards, I mean, from, you know, 1900 to 1971, you know, even in spite of all the ups and downs of problems, living standards improved enormously. From 1879 to 1913, they proved even more. And in both of those times, we were on basically a sound money standard. From 71 to present, the working man has gotten screwed, completely screwed. And that's all because of fiat currency. That's the reason. And sadly, a lot of people don't know that or understand that. But that's our job, right? That's your job as Bitcoiners. That's my job as a sound money advocate. That's everybody's job is to educate our neighbors as to why things suck. They suck because the government has fucked up the money. You know, the money is broken, right? It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> so, but, you know, again, we've got to get it. We, we've got to get a mass of people. We've got to get like, it's like the American Revolution. Not everyone was a revolutionary. A lot of people were loyalists. They were just sitting around going, oh, whatever, you know, Britain be on our own, whatever. But, you know, we got to get a bunch of revolutionaries who are like, no, not whatever. You know, we don't want to live in a shitty world. You know, let's get back to sound money so that we can get back on to having, you know, Improve prosperity for everybody and fairness, right? It's not a kind of a whatever sort of thing. It's a, it's an obvious need that we have to to unbreak the system that's broken. That's how I feel about it.
2: Yeah, Lawrence, I, I love that rip. That was a really good one, really <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: Once you get me, start, I told you once you get me started, I was going to rant and rave and. I guess I've lived up to that, right? There's some quotes you can pull out of there.
2: (laughs) For sure. Uh, I guess definitely, I I mean, aside from being a Bitcoiner and seeing all the excess money printing, I was definitely uh, worried in 2020 and we're kind of seeing what's the repercussions of that now. I know even uh, probably in the tail end of 2020 and early 2021, um, Mm. I know people were saying, oh, my used car went up in price. I was like, guys, this is not a good thing for something that's historically a deflationary asset or a depreciating asset. Um, you know, you, you drive your car off the lot and it's worth less just, you know, the moment it leaves the lot. Right. I know for me, I bought my car. It's, uh, I think seven years old now and it's, I bought it four years ago. I'm, o- I'm almost paid off with it, but I could actually get more money now than when I bought it back then. And a lot of my friends are like, or people that don't understand hard money are like, oh, that's a good thing. I was like, no, that means the currency is failing. And I think well, that's, that's
1: right. And, and furthermore, yes, you could get more money for it, but what are you going to replace it with? Yeah, exactly. The new, car, the new car that you're going to go buy now costs twice as much as the one you're selling. Right?
2: Exactly. Aside from it being paid off and it's a good car and there's you know minimal minimal maintenance, there's no reason for me to sell it. But exactly. people are like, "Oh, this is a good thing." I was like, "This is not a good thing." That's no. like the reason it's worth more is because the currency is worth less, and that's, that's like right. something I keep hammering home as an entry point into telling people uh, about Bitcoin. I guess I'm going to segue more. I know you brought up the bond market and something that you're looking at. I was talking to Dylan Leclaire yesterday. Yeah. And he was saying historically, when you look back in history, whenever the two year treasury passes the interest rate on the 10 year treasury, uh, historically, we always go into a recession and sometimes depressions, uh, you know, it ultimately led into the Great Depression and stuff like that. Um, so I, I know Greg Voss coined this term of basically like equities are the tail that's getting wagged by the dog in the bond market. We're getting obviously very close to, to those, two cro- those two numbers crossing or the yields crossing on those two. Do you think that that would be the catalyst to it falling apart, or do you think it would be a no bid in the bond market, aside from obviously the Fed? I guess, not that we're predictors of the future, but what do you think is going to cause this thing to unravel ultimately?
1: Um, well, those two yeah, those two guys are very smart and they're both right. I mean, when the two cross the 10, that is, I mean, look, we, the, there is no doubt that right now, with these kinds of pricing, you know, prices that are, that are taking place that demand destruction, is, is is about to occur, right? I mean, you know, you, you tell people who are used to four dollar gas that gas is now seven dollars. They're going to drive less. I mean, you know, full stop. And and that means they're, you know, the, the, the tire maker is going to make less tires, and the car maker is going to sell less cars, and the guy who makes the car maybe he's going to get laid off. And you know, that's that's a recession, right? That's an economic downturn. And so so yes, I mean, I think there's no question that we're about to go into a severe downturn. Related to that, I mean, is if the stock market goes down. I mean, a lot of people kind of gauge their spending based on the stock market. They look at their retirement account. They look at their stock account. And, you know, these are obviously middle class to upper middle class people. But still, you know, the stock market goes down 50%. They feel poorer and they think, well, I won't take that vacation. I won't buy that new car. I won't at the margin spend that money. So, yes, I think all of those things could be catalysts. And I think there's a very decent chance that we're, I mean, if you measure it in real terms, we've been in a a recession since 2008. I mean, it really... You know, the, a lot of, the, you know, so if a company's sales grow 10% year over year, right? But they increase their prices 10% and sell, sold the same number of units, that's not really growth, right? I mean, that's fake growth, that's inflation, not growth. And so, you know, there's been a lot of that taking place in the economy. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's pretty high probability that we are gonna tip over into some kind of a, a, a downturn. And that people will start losing their jobs, and they'll start screaming for UBI, and they'll start screaming for more stimulus, and you know the, the 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 stock market will be down, and this will be part of the problem that the Fed will be called to to solve, right? And and so I've said this to another podcast. You know, it would not surprise me at all if then Congress said, all right, you know, we're going to amend the laws and allow the Fed to buy stocks. I mean, it's happened in Japan, it's happened in Switzerland. You know, a a decreasing stock market will make the economy rougher. And, you know, they'll call it the USA you know, IRA Protection Act, enabling the Federal Reserve the power to buy stocks. And, okay, so the Fed will start trying to save the stock market. Well, that's fine. How will they do that? Where will they find the money? Not in taxes. Of course not. They'll print the money. And, of course, that'll make the inflation problem worse. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we are at the point, guys, in my opinion, we're at the point where the wheels are about to fall off in a lot of different areas. Inflation is raging, the stock market is cracking, money is losing its value very rapidly. The, you know, what, what Luke Groman calls the, you know, the alarm bells, you know, or the fire alarms are ringing. You know, gold is right near its all-time high, about to break out and surpass its all-time high. You know, Bitcoin is down a bit from its all-time high, but when it went from 5 or 6 to, you know, 60 67 or where it went to, I mean that was a that was one hell of a fire alarm. Right and and you know they'll start another uptrend soon in my opinion, and yeah things are things are bad and you know and you, you they're, they're just a lot of signals. I mean, you know, nickel doing a GameStop that's a signal. Um, oil going you know to one thirty that's a signal, right? I mean, <laughs> you're laughing about my nickel doing a GameStop.
0: I I'm going to steal that, Lawrence. I will give you credit, but oh my god, I'm going to steal. They're doing a GameStop right now,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, it's like, um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. And and the wheels, are, yeah, the wheels are breaking. I mean, you see, you see the spreads and the junk bonds are starting to blow out. You see the bond market is starting to have trouble. I mean, there's some really great macro sources on Twitter. And, you know, all these people are watching all these little indicators. And, yeah, things are kind of jiggy. And, you know, it, it could be, it, I don't think it'll be long before we get right back in the thick of it. So, um, you know, to the degree things aren't jiggy or things appear to have calmed down a little bit, uh, I, you know, I, I suspect we're gonna, this is gonna be a very tumultuous year in my opinion. And there's gonna be a lot of volatility. That's one other thing I'd like to add. I always try and make this point when I do a podcast. You, people have to recognize the, da- the dangers of leverage and, 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 and the way these prices can swing around. And, and I saw, it was a really sad story I saw on Twitter, Somebody a year or so ago or six months ago, had totally bought into the plan B model of how Bitcoin was going to be 150 in six months. And so they went and they levered up all their Bitcoin. They bought, you know, they had one Bitcoin, they owned free and clear and they bought four or five, right? And you know what happened? Bitcoin did a, you know, a big correction and bang, they got blown out. Now they own zero Bitcoin, right? Sad, right? The point is, you know, things are going to swing around a lot you got to know what you own. You got to know why you own it. And you got to believe in the long run, it's going to have value. I mean, I know in the long run, gold and silver are going to have value. I know in the long run, Bitcoin's going to have value. I know in the long run, oil is going to have value. You know, they all, they're all kind of proxies for energy and energy is the one thing the world needs to, to run on. And so, you know, I think if you have an investment in something that's a legitimate claim on energy, it'll hold its value now, but in the interim, boy, you know, hang on. I mean, Remember in early 2020 when oil was negative 37 bucks because nobody had any place to put it? I mean, that's volatility, right? You know, and and we could have more of that. So, you know, I mean, I think Bitcoiners, you know, some people say, well, holy shit, we've got to be close to the bottom. Maybe we are, but I don't know. You know, could Bitcoin go to 18,000 briefly? Yeah, it probably could. I mean, you know, I'd be buying the shit out of it. You know, it'd be be a gift from my point of view, but I'm sure there's some people would be freaking out. I mean, I, you know, I was buying Bitcoin at 3,600, you know, after I bought, I had bought some at 17,000 in Thanksgiving of 2017, you know, and everyone else was hot on it. I was too. I had owned more before and it went down to 3,500 and, you know, people were terrified. And I was like, nah, this is, if, you know, I was like, nah, in for a dime, in for a dollar and I doubled down. And, and that's, you know, that's the way people have got to look at this. They've got to understand what's going on. I mean, it's, it's like you're in a plane and all the dials are going nuts. And you gotta, you know, you gotta hang on a stick and figure out what you're gonna do. <laughs> so it, it's tough. I mean, there's no doubt it's tough. Um, but I, you know, the other message I would give to people that I think is very important is, is just get off the dime. I mean, if you don't have any sound money investments, you're nuts. I mean, given the optionality here, and the upside, the extreme upside in gold, the extreme, I mean, if they do a, I mean, here's a, here's a number that I think is a useful number that you you guys will appreciate. In, in 1971, you know, the amount of gold the US owned actually backed the money supply. So if you took the money supply and divided by the amount of gold, you got to 35 bucks, you know, roughly, okay? In 1980, same story, gold was 800 and the money supply had grown. It's still kind of gold backed the money supply. It wasn't perfect, but I'm just rounding for, for convenience, okay? If you did that same math today and took the amount of gold the US claims to own and divided it by the money supply, gold should be at $78,000 an ounce, okay? That gives you a sense of how much money supply we've created in comparison to gold. I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So you know, am I suggesting gold's going to go there? No, I'm not. You know, um, you can do a you can do a fractional reserve, or you can do a partial coverage gold system, which Britain did throughout the 1800s, where all you need is about 30 percent of your money supply to be covered by gold, and that would imply gold's going to 25,000. I mean. we have lived for a long time in a fiat money system. We have gotten way out over our fiat skis. We have not honored hard money. And I think the trend has changed. And I think we're about to honor hard money in a big way. And therefore, I think these things aren't just going to go up, they're going to go up by multiples. I mean, the last gold bull market we saw was the 70s. We started that gold bull market with gold at $35. We ended with gold at $800. That's 23X in 10 years. Okay. I'm not suggesting we're going to do 23x on gold today. But I am suggesting that if you don't own some gold today or some silver today or some Bitcoin today, you're out of your fucking mind. I mean, seriously. And if you understand this stuff, if you study the monetary system, you know, uh, that's how I see it.
0: Why silver?
1: Well, silver, silver's it's not the perfect monetary metal and it was demonetized in the past historically. China and India suffered from that. And Silver's always been, you know, the poor man's hard money because it was smaller, more divisible, and easier to for, for small transactions. But but there's actually another case for silver today, and that is its use in so many of the ESG friendly things. I mean, it's it's important in solar, it's important in a lot of electricity applications, it's important in electric cars, it's you know, et cetera, et cetera. So so there's a you know there's a market for both gold and silver. Um, and and the other reason why silver is you know, the, most of the gold that's been produced over time, there's about 180,000 tons of it in the world, um, still exists. I mean, it's either on some woman's neck or, or a bracelet or it's in a vault. You know, um, silver gets used up. There's, there's no big stock of silver sitting around. You can't go and say, oh, there's three years worth of silver supply above ground. No, there's not. There's probably a half a year above ground. We, we use 900 million ounces of silver every year. Okay. about half of that gets used in industry and about half of it goes into investments in jewelry. Okay. And so, and, but every year we got to start anew and go mine it. And so that's why when, when these mark, when, when precious metals go into a bull market, silver runs much harder, much faster than gold. And the reason is gold's got a big, big stock to flow. Silver doesn't have much stock. It's just flow. So if suddenly everybody wants silver, there's no stock to go draw on. You gotta, you gotta produce it. You gotta pull it out of the ground. And that's why, you know, if gold, I mean, the typical rule of thumb for me is if gold goes up 10%, silver goes up 30 or 40%, and that's kind of held true in the past.
0: I, I also want to touch on and have this conversation with you, because I think we see this the same way. You brought up the fact that, you know, there are all these derivatives markets, you can, you can buy a double levered or triple levered uh, NASDAQ index. The stock market itself is just a glorified, legalized casino, <laughs> uh, and yet somehow, some way we tie that and say that this is what our this is the health of our economy. Um in a future scenario where Bitcoin is sort of our standard, what how do we prevent this type of manipulation that we see in stocks and equities from seeping into Bitcoin? Knowing full well, like I can go on BitMEX right now and go lever all the Bitcoin in my wallet and I don't know.
1: Blow it away. Yeah. The, generally,
0: yeah. I'm getting chills and scared of doing that.
1: But i also Yeah, a right. Well, it's I mean, it's interesting because that's part of how the 29 bubble occurred. You know, back in 1929, you could buy stocks on 10% down. You know, you put up 10 cents, you could buy a dollar worth of stock. And that's how that that's how we had that bubble. And that's why the SEC, when they set up, you know, the new rules post that, you know, they said you have to have a 50% margin requirement. And so today in your brokerage firm, you can go buy a stock. And, you know, if you put up 50%, which strikes me as actually pretty reasonable. Um, You know, obviously you're taking more risk, but if people want to do that, let them do it. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it, that falls under the category of investor protections. I mean, I've seen the FTX guys, you know, I saw him, I mean, that guy kind of reminded me of the guy in the big short, you know, the derivatives guy in the big short, remember the really creepy one? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, these guys are just like, they're sharks. I mean, they just, they're like please, please, please lever your shit up because we know we'll own it, <laughs> you know? I mean, you get levered, we create volatility, guess what, the shit you own, it's ours now. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm a solid money guy and, and therefore I'm generally speaking very opposed to leverage. Now, whether the government should restrict it or there should be laws restricting it, I mean, I think I think the leverage created by derivatives, that should definitely be restricted because it's kind of unlimited. Um, if, you, if, if we need investor protections to prevent, prevent, you know, mom and pop investor from getting too leveraged, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of a libertarian, so I'm kind of like, well, you know, let people do whatever they want. But, but you know, argue, I, can, I could argue both sides of that one, right? Leverage, if, if people want that leverage, give it to them, let them do it. I mean, they're going to get hurt by it. I don't know. It's a tough one, you yeah. know.
2: I'm definitely on your side, Lawrence. I'm all for it. if you want to do leverage, but when the unwind happens, don't call them crying for a bailout
1: from well, a, line, right. a government. that's right. That's for sure. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's and because, yes, because all the Wall Street firms went and did that. And then, you know, as heads I win, tails you lose, right? I mean, I, I've seen Lloyd Blankfein, you know, holding forth on Twitter. And I, every time I get a chance to, I, I scold him and just say, dude, you know, you know, STFU, because, you know, you should be bankrupt. I mean, your firm was bankrupt and we bailed you out. Right. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have any moral authority to hold forth on anything, you know? So
2: the infamous line in, in the big short one, he's like, you know, at the end of all of this, they're just going to blame the, the poor and middle-class people. And they're going to be the ones picking up the bill at the end of the day
1: too. And it, it, it's it, insane. It's always the case. It's always the case. You know, the other great part, my favorite episode of that whole movie was where Ben Rickard is, is, um, is chiding, you know, they're partying, the young guys who finally hit it big are partying about how, and and he just, he gets all over them about how guys, you know, shut up, this is bad. You know, people lose their job, people, I mean, and it is, I mean, we, you know, we talk about this stuff lightly, but what's going on here is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, in my view, and you know, okay. I mean, I you know, and and, and will I benefit, you know, if, if things go the way I predict? Yeah, I probably will. I mean, not probably, I obviously will benefit. I'm just trying to protect myself, make it to the other side. But, you know, I didn't, I'm not a central banker. You know, I didn't create the Federal Reserve. You know, I didn't do ZERP for 15 years. You know, I'm trying to help people protect themselves. And then I'm trying to argue. I even, and it's not like I'm just sitting here throwing rocks and criticizing. You know, I actually see a solution. There is a solution. You know, there's a there's a great solution. We got to follow it. We got to go back to sound money. This is not hard, folks. You know, so it, it's... Um, you know, Ron Paul knew that, right? And, you know, he, he pushed hard for that. I, I ran a couple of national newspaper ads, you know, to support him. I read one in the Journal and one in on USA Today. I mean, you know, sound money is the great moral issue of our time. And sound money is what this fourth turning is all about, in my opinion. And, you know, the, the, thing, that's, the thing that's in our favor is that people are smart, people are honest, And those of us, I think once we get to the point where those of us who understand, when we get to the point where the world understands how important sound money is, the world outnumbers the elites. The elites are the ones who benefit from the unsound money system. There are a lot more of us than there are them. And so all we need to do is create a big enough mass of people who understand this and we'll fix it. And that'll be good. Our kids will live better. Their kids will live better. It'll be a better world.
0: Honestly, I don't even want to call it a game. I just want to say, like, I want to create the big short sequel. We're going to call it the biggest short. Um, (laughs) I think Brad Pitt was the one who had the line in the big short where when his cohorts, the two young guys, celebrated essentially making all of the money that they did on their short, he reminded them, like, you guys got rich because now a bunch of people are homeless.
1: Yeah, that's what I just Um, talked about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I want to kind of go now playing with Bitcoin and this scenario that we are in, where we sort of there's something going to collapse, whether it's going to be the stock market, whether it's just going to be your bank account literally being worthless and we having to, us having to take wheelbarrows of dollar bills to the grocery store because of visa collapsed or whatever that scenario is. Um, who do you think are the biggest losers in a scenario where Bitcoin becomes the
1: standard? Well, the people who have the most fiat currency um, and, the, and the wealthy. I mean, it's, um, you know, and, I, I, and I'm rooting for this day. I mean, you know the, the, you know, the fiat masters have gotten wealthy off of fiat and they, and generally speaking, they don't like Bitcoin, they hold all their money in fiat. They're going to be bankrupt. I mean, you know, and it's, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard when a guy like Jay Powell, who has a hundred million dollar net worth has a zero, you know, is bankrupt, goes zero. And, and it's going to be really strange for him to be looking at guys like you and me and other guys. And suddenly our net worth is what his used to be. And that's going to be kind of strange, you know, for people who have all the money, the people who have all the money, they're not going to be able to make the rules anymore. And, you know, the Bitcoiners are going to have all the money. And so, you know, the Bitcoiners are going to elect the politicians and create a system. And hopefully we're going to be humble and smart enough to create an honest and a fair system. And, you know, to remember that, you know, what got us here and how we got here and what was wrong with the old system and and to fix it. You know, there'll be all kinds of things that'll get put in like, you know, term limits and so on and so forth. But I mean, that's, that's how, uh, you know, that's, and perhaps it's naive, but rather optimistically, that's how I see it playing out. You know, there'll be enormous pain, but when fiat collapses, think about it, the fiat masters, I mean, they have, they have the power they have because they have a lot of money. I mean, they can buy the government, which they've done, right. If suddenly their money doesn't spend and the people who have sound money you know, our money will spend and, and, you know, the roles are reversed. Right. I mean, it's like the Bible, the first shall be last, you know, and the last, I mean, that'd be it'd be pretty stunning. Right.
0: I don't disagree. I think that would be a dream scenario. However, I want to push back because for example, if a high net worth individual, let's just call it someone with 10 million or more has a 1% allocation to Bitcoin in the last minute, that's still them putting aside a hundred thousand dollars. Onto Bitcoin. And let's say that's not even a whole Bitcoin, but at least they're able to make a flash buy very quickly versus the person who is, you know, working at my local dry cleaners or making my sandwich at Subway or wherever it is. They're not as easily accessible to that while still also being tied to that fiat system. I love the notion and idea that Bitcoin could even help turn into uh, or introduce turn limits in Congress. like That is, I think, one of the biggest um, biggest setbacks in our political system is that we do have, in essence, these kings and queens who just stay behind the shadows and let a, a fall person go in front of everyone else and say, well, no, no, this person, you, you took them out. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi has been in power for 20 years, almost, and Mitch McConnell is no different. He's been in power for close to 40. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious on that point. How do we get there? Because I, you tell me how to do it, and I will spend the rest of my life getting us to a point where Congress has term limits.
1: Yeah. Well, again, um, hang on just one second. You know, I, I think I think the fiat collapse is really the key to it all. I mean, um, and it, it's gonna, it's gonna, that's what it's gonna take. Um, you know, the, what I'm talking about. These are radical things, and radical change doesn't occur unless you've got you know an enormous event and a crisis, and so. That's my sense of what it's going to take um, to, to get your term limits and to get these people thrown out of the office. Like I say, it's all pretty sad, but, but it is what it is. And you know in, in a way, it's, to me, it makes me optimistic because I think on the other side of this, things are going to be pretty good. But um, in the interim, you know it's like turbulence ahead, right? And lots of it. You know that's, that's kind of how I see it. Um, so Guys, I'm yeah. gonna to have to. Um, I don't know. We've been going about an hour now, or? I, yeah, we, we've been going about an hour. Um, okay, I could probably go another ten or fifteen minutes, but um, yeah, I've, uh, I've got some reasons. I got to wrap up in some some reasonable time frame here.
0: <laughs> no, no, no worries at all. If if you need to hop, you're more than welcome to hop. We don't want to hold you hostage. I can genuinely talk to you. I think for the rest of the day, if uh, if
1: well, why, don't, why don't we do one or two more and then uh, then call it a day?
0: For sure, Chris, I'll, I'll pass it on to you because I've been talking for too long.
1: Yeah, Lawrence, I definitely want to touch on a
2: point that you made earlier, like right now with the fiat system, they're able to buy their way to make their own rules. I guess the the benefit of Bitcoin particularly is even if we have a lot of Bitcoin, we still don't like own the rules of the protocol. I mean, we abide by them. You know, that's what it is with running your own node or having your own keys. Uh, But ultimately, you know. The, the rules of the game are set and we just play by them. So yes, I think we'd be able to elect politicians that are definitely wise and smart with decisions, especially when it comes to money. But I, I think it, it just, like you said, it makes it more fair uh, in the system that we will have uh, set and built, basically. Uh, I guess, is there anything that you want to expand on, on that?
1: No, I mean, not really. And I, I apologize. I've got, uh, uh, <laughs> I've got some background noise going on here that I can't control. But um, no, I you know, the the, the the new system will solve a lot of these problems and unfortunately, I mean, you know, the only thing we can do is work hard to accelerate the process of the old system failing. I mean, the point I've made on other calls and I think it's important is, you know, and some people, they fear what's about to happen and it, it's, not, it's not, you know, I fear it. It's not gonna be great the next five years, but you know, it, this is like, the system, we all know the system's broken and it's like, we got to rip the band-aid off. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's going to hurt, but you know, let's just do it. I mean, let's, let's just do it and let's try and get as many people as we can into the sound money boat where they'll be protected. And then, um, you know, and then as we, as we win, so to speak, you know, let's remember the humility from the movie and try to work hard to, to push hard to, to create a system with the term limits with all the things you guys are talking about with, you know, to fix the system. And, and that, you know, that's what I see, that's the task of your generation, right? I mean, you know, my generation will be fading away in the next 20 years, but your generation's gonna be grabbing power. And, uh, you know, you gotta take that power and use it to fix a broken system. And you will, because you're the hero generation, you will. You know, and it, it's, I have, I have no doubt about it, it's gonna happen, but, um, you know, I, I will say with high probability, that there are going to be a lot of ups and downs and bad events. It's going to be tough for all of us. It really is. But, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe this is, you know, we're we're paying for it being a little too easy, a little too long under the old system. But again, I apologize for the background noise. We haven't had our house cleaned in a long time and we just got some cleaners to come over. And uh, so I got a vacuum cleaner going that I can't really control and I can't send them out. So maybe we can wrap it. Maybe we can wrap it up. <laughs> you're you're
0: all good, Lawrence. We really okay. appreciate the time. We will let yeah. you uh go about your day. Uh excited to get to meet you in person in Miami for everyone yep. who has enjoyed this conversation. Make sure you get your tickets. Make sure you come down and, and join us and see us down in Miami. Use code right. YT to get 10% off.
1: Lawrence, thank you yeah. so much for
0: your time. Yeah. We're if you gonna cut to Miami,
1: Miami make sure and come up and say hello. I, you know, I'll try to uh try to be as as open and available as possible. I, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys.
0: We're going to have a lot of fun down there, guys. Yeah, we are. Don't want to miss It'll out. it
1: be good. Okay, take care, guys. We'll see you.